Done with frizz? Say goodbye to that poof. Repel humidity and tame those flyaways. One drop, frizz stops with John Frieda Frizzy Serum. Your hair talks and frizz never interrupts. John Frieda Frizzy Serum. One drop, frizz stops. Only from John Frieda. Want to make your blonde blonde? Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection by John Frieda lightens and brightens hair to full shades to give you your best blonde every day. Your hair talks. Make a statement with Sheer Blonde Go Blonder Collection. Only from John Frieda. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Trailblazers podcast. I am your host for the evening, Dane Carbaugh, your friendly neighborhood sports writer. Out is my co-host, Eric Gunderson. He uh, so lovingly obliged to go to the game and cover it tonight in person with the Portland Trailblazers lost to the Detroit Pistons in double overtime, a pretty thrilling game on a cold night in Portland. Detroit bested the Blazers 125-124, to despite the fact that C.J. McCollum had 35 points, along with Damian Lillard's 20 points, and Alan Crabb's career-high 30 points off the bench on 12 of 15 shooting, including five of five from deep. The Pistons really had a, had a good game against the Blazers, I think. Um, they really used their, their their big wings to bruise the Blazers early and often. Uh, you know, uh, Marcus Morris, I think, did a really good job. Octavius uh, Caldwell Pope had a really good game, had 26 points. Um, of course, Reggie Jackson was incredible. He had 31 points on 13 of 26 shooting for the Pistons. Um, Stanley Johnson had an okay game. Tobias Harris really, really muscled up and, and was really important there, I think, for stretches in the first and second quarter and, again, late in the fourth quarter um, for them. But, uh, you know, kind of a wacky and wild game. CJ came up big there at the end a couple times, uh, hitting, um, you know, clutch buckets basically to, to to send the Blazers into overtime, double overtime, to make sure that they, they pushed out the game. Really sort of a, a tough stretch there at the end. Um, Detroit really hit two shots, I thought, that, you know, man, the Blazers couldn't have defended any better between Marcus Morris and uh, Reggie Jackson to sort of help them along. And, you know, the sometimes the cookie crumbles the way you don't want it to go, and it was a tough loss. I think the Blazers, they really wanted it at home. But I don't think if you're a Blazers, uh, well, Blazers player or a, a Blazers fan listening to this, I don't think that you can come away from this you know, loss with hanging your head in any way. The Blazers, although their, you know, the defensive uh, efficiency tonight was not um, great on paper. I think that's mostly because Reggie Jackson just kind of feasted, and yeah, uh, you know, he had he had one of those nights. We've seen him have those nights in Portland before. So, uh, but I think in general, you know, Portland had a. It's not like as though Detroit's bench really contributed all that much. Tobias Harris did have 14 points off the bench, but otherwise, than that, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't something that. They really did well, and Alan, Alan Crabb showed up great. Um, I think that's uh, you know there's there's a lot of positives to come out of this game, even though it's a loss, and that sounds so that sounds strange. I think sometimes, but uh, Alfred Camino played well. I thought defensively, you know, muscled up uh, both on both sides of the ball. You know, he had a couple moves there where you know he's not having a good three point shooting year. He's one one from three from the field, or uh, from behind you know behind the arc today, and. Um, he had a couple drives there where he just slowly you know, worked his man down. Even a guy like Tobias Harris, who's pretty, you know, pretty big, um, and gave him a couple pump fakes and up and unders, and was able to score down, you know, d- down closer to the basket. Uh, I liked seeing that. 
Um, Mason Plumley, two points away, two points away from a triple double. We just barely missed it. You know, he promised that there, there's joking, obviously, and Jason Conception's uh, network, as you know him on Twitter, is joking about uh, Mason Plumley promising he'd get a triple double, or maybe it was Damon promising he would get, get multiple triple doubles. But he had uh, 10 rebounds tonight, 12 assists, 12 assists for Mason Plumley, and uh, eight points. Unfortunate that he couldn't get there tonight and uh, make all of our dreams come true. So I think uh, a good positive coming out of tonight's game was Alan Crabb. And with those 30 points and how confident he looked, we were wondering, you know, his, his, his role changed when Damien went out and we really saw his, it seems like his confidence level boost up. And I think we saw a, a real answer about whether or not his sort of relegation in terms of Evan Turner being the first guy off the bench, whether that was his position last year, he played more minutes than Mason Plumley. Um, if that was really going to affect him. And I think we got an answer when Damien was out because obviously Krebs rotational spot changed and we saw him really kind of come into his own and be the player we thought he was going to be. And at least, at least, you know, sort of match some of the, the performances we saw from him last year. And that that's what you want for, you know, $70 million in a restricted free agent contract. So um, it was nice to see with Lillard back in the lineup, uh, Alan Crabb, playing up to that level again. And I think he did a, um, a pretty good job defensively and obviously scoring. He had a career night. He came in, he hit those shots, uh, showed a lot of confidence, you know, didn't miss a shot from beyond the arc. And that's important for the Blazers. I think that's something to really keep an eye on, on this team. Um, the trailblazers, although defense has been the story of their entire season, they're going to go as their offense goes and they can't have both Evan Turner and Alan Crabb, having off nights from the bench. That's just not going to work there. I, I struggle to say they'd never win in that case, but uh, you know, Damian and CJ would have to combine for more than 70 points. Probably uh, if they were having poor shooting nights, Evan Turner, unfortunately um, scored just four points tonight. He was two of five from the field, had five assists and three rebounds along with two steals. Um, you know, he had an okay performance. He got blown by Reggie Jackson there at the end of regulation um, as, as did Crab, to be perfectly honest, at the end of, uh, I think, the first overtime, but I have to I have to look back at it. Um, so, you know, couldn't, hard hard to stop that guy. Of course, Evan Turner did come up with a, a, a good stop, what, to, maybe Evan Turner had a good stop to force the second overtime, if I'm correct. So, uh, but in any case, um, you know, he had a he had an okay game, but obviously Alan Crab had had the better night, and that's that's good looking out for the Blazers moving forward. Um, it's gonna be hard to get a performance. You know, CJ didn't have. Uh, I think Mike Richmond from the Oregonian tweeted that uh, you know CJ was uh, o for five from three uh, until like eleven seconds left in the in the uh, in the fourth quarter. So he ended up three of nine, which is not great. But of course, those three shots uh, came up big for them. Um, Nobody really got to the free throw line tonight for either team, which is kind of interesting. Uh, even Reggie Jackson, I think the Blazers did a good job uh, contesting at the rim, especially there at the end, um, where he, of course, he finished a couple times. But uh, the Blazers did a good job contesting at the rim and showed a lot of, um, how to put it, uh, like technique, a lot of technique in terms of doing that kind of stuff. Speaking of technique, we did see the Blazers uh, do the same thing we, we've seen them do before. Um, since the 26 and make that make that change where they they blitzed Reggie Jackson almost like 80 percent of the time I'd say uh, off the pick and roll they jumped um they jumped Mason Plumley out there to uh, stop him and get the ball out of his hands obviously it didn't keep Reggie Jackson from scoring but I, but I think um you know the assist totals uh the Blazers 
were 36, had 36 assists. Uh, the Pistons had 19. That's something to take away from that in terms of uh, at least getting the ball out of Reggie Jackson's hands, who uh, only had three assists tonight. So if you can do that for some teams, that's um, I think that's part of what you're trying to do with that defensive strategy. Uh, if you want to know more about that defensive strategy, by the way, I did do a breakdown on that uh, on Blazers Edge and on my YouTube channel, um, just sort of about what they're doing and what they're changing and um, what, uh, what what it looks like, essentially, the difference between um, hedge, show, and blitz. Uh, you can find that over at uh, uh, youtube.com slash Dane, not Dan. Um, and there'll be more stuff on that probably coming up. So I really like that. It was a good thing to see. Um, they did also double Drummond a little bit down there. Um, not every time, but in situations where it made sense or they could come off one of the, the wing shooters or the, the strong side shooters, that kind of made sense. Um, so that was interesting to see them throw that in. I think, obviously, you know, Drummond was 13 of 20 and scored 28 points, had a good night, had 14 rebounds. Um, probably, uh, you know, uh, uh, gets a team like the Blazers who isn't, very good at boxing out uh kind of makes sense for a guy like drummond who's a complete load down there to to sort of feast on the glass but it wasn't anything where it was i didn't think it was uh you know embarrassing and i thought the blaze did a good shot job um you know forcing forcing the shots they wanted you know uh, portland you know they, they switched on a lot of those those uh you know those one three pick and rolls with uh you know morris or um you know Caldwell Pope or who, whoever it was, maybe sometimes Tobias Harris, uh, and although the Pistons made a couple of their long range jumpers, their or their sorry, their, their mid range jumpers with Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum on them, that's the shot the Blazers want them to take in that situation. Like if if you're switching on and Tobias Harris outweighs CJ McCollum by I don't know forty pounds and has four or five inches on him, six inches on him, I mean. You're if you're the Pistons, you're wanting to get a, a shot at least inside the paint somewhere, and the Blazers got those jumpers. And now you know obviously Morris and Jackson hit a couple of you know hard jumpers, difficult jumpers uh, to get to. Um, so, but I think the idea is over time, over you know the law of averages will average out there, and the idea is oh hey yeah take that 17 foot fadeaway jumper over me. That's that's what we want because that's that's a harder shot to get if you're if you're six seven you should be able to uh, you know get over the top of them. So kind of a weird night and. Um, but an exciting night, obviously, for Trailblazers fans, and uh, 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 I think a, a good good thing to look forward to. Even though I know that the Blazers they need to get wins at home, like nobody's business, especially as they're clawing for that eight seed. And uh, you know we're past Christmas, and everybody's wondering what's going on with them and and what's happening. And uh, you know it's a tough loss. But uh, next up, I think they play the Lakers. If I am uh, incorrect, let me let me take a look. They play the Lakers. Um, the schedule moving ahead is, yes, they play the Lakers on uh, January 10th at 7.30 p.m. That's away. Again, that'll be a tough game, but, hey, I I certainly think that's a winnable game, and the Blazers' defense is um, markedly improved, I would say, markedly improved. Um, so with that, I think uh, something to take away from that, and we, we got a lot of questions to get to tonight, so I don't want to spend too much time going over a game that you all be you know pro- probably all watched and you were snowed in in Portland and, and frozen into your house. Uh, I hope you have lots of food and water and were able to watch the Blazers tonight, uh, even though it was a loss. I think it was an exciting game and had, had some good things to look forward to if you're a Blazers fan. Um, you know, I, I said this on Twitter a couple of days ago, and uh, I, I if you can take if if you can take something away from how the Blazers have played lately, 
It's that I've enjoyed watching them play. Even, you know, tough loss against the Warriors, competitive game against the Warriors. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Timberwolves. Um, you know, those are games that I think uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I or, you know, I was not enjoying watching this team, to be perfectly honest. I was, I was exasperated by the execution, by... Um, the system by a lot of the players, not necessarily their effort, but maybe just that a lot of times their effort was not coming out and being something that was, you know, had, had produced something, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And it's just hard to watch that for 82 games. And uh, if you're a, a diehard Blazers fan, you're doing that. Obviously I'm doing that as somebody who covers the NBA for a living. And uh, it was tough. So I, I think the Blazers have been a lot better to watch. And hopefully that will reflect. Hopefully hopefully that, uh, you know, the second half of the season is supposed to be an easier schedule. And if this this defensive turnaround, you know, or or at least bump out of one of the worst defenses, you know, historically bad defenses of all time, changes things, you're fighting for that eight seed. And I think even if you know that you're going to get, uh, you know, have, have a hard time against the Warriors, if that's who, who you end up playing in the first round of the playoffs – uh, wouldn't you rather watch the next, um, you know, wouldn't you rather watch the next, uh, let's hear 49. Yeah. So wouldn't you rather watch the next 30 something games of the season and have a, you know, feel good about their chances every single night than just sort of feeling that dread. And I think that that switch has at least been apparent for me. So I hope it's been apparent for you too. With that said, let us get to some Twitter questions. I asked you guys to, you know, just ask me things you wanted to know about the Blazers or the NBA or whatever uh, on Twitter tonight on my handle at Dane Carbaugh. You guys responded. So thanks for you guys for, uh, you know, saying hello and dropping those into me. Let's get started. Uh, Joshua Williams wants to know, it looks like the defense has reverted back to terrible after a handful of good defensive outings. What is the reason for that? Well, Joshua, I don't know if there's actually uh, evidence to say that the defense has looked terrible. I think Reggie Jackson, when he is on, and maybe it's something about the Blazers or something about playing at the Moda, uh, <laughs> Reggie Jackson's a good basketball player, let's be honest. When he's not taking mid-range jumpers and he's getting to the rack like he is tonight, and granted maybe that's because he's playing Damian and CJ a little bit, uh, he's hard to stop. Uh, and Drummond is a load, and the, and the Blazers' whole problem is their, you know, their 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 front line. So maybe it's just a bad matchup, teams, you know, on for the for the team. I, I don't know. Uh, I thought the Blazers did a good job, like I said, guarding some of their the bigger wings that the um, the Pistons have, and and it's kind of slowing down and, and banging back. And obviously, uh, while CJ didn't play, you know, great until the uh, the the last couple. Overtime periods there, you know, you have that to look forward to. I think uh, Damian played well, uh, you know, and both Damian and CJ tonight had a couple good contests on made shots by the Pistons that were, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you play defense better than that. I mean, and again, if, if that's a consistency thing and we, we can't tell that over, okay, well for four games, they were good and four games, they were bad or two games, they're okay or whatever. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a next 20 games type of thing. So to give you guys an example, the Blazers overall for the season, their their defensive rating is something like 109 um, since uh, the day after Christmas when Damian didn't start, didn't play, and uh, you know since then they've had a defensive rating of 101.9, which is um, that's a huge turnaround. That's a huge, huge difference. I think the difference is obviously uh, that they're they're making more you know game plans that include specific pick and roll coverages that include um their 
uh, whether or not they're going to double certain players like Carl Anthony Towns and DeMarcus Cousins, and obviously having Alfa Rufamino back. And Aminu looks like he's, uh, you know, he's not having any lingering issues with his, whatever it was, his his back sciatic, his quad, or sorry, not his quad, but his hamstring, whatever he landed on, or his calf, because that can be a lingering thing too. So having him back in there who's playing, you know, he's an active, if he's playing the four, the whole thing about blitzing or hedging or showing is that he's going to be involved in a lot of pick and rolls probably. And he's an active player. You know, he moves his feet. Kyle Lowry said he liked the way that the Blazers, uh, when they played the Raptors, even though they lost that game, um, he liked the way that the, the blade, how active the Blazers bigs were and that they were athletic. And that, that is true. I mean, Mo Harkless and uh, Minu and, and to be perfectly honest, Mason Plumley has looked a lot better when he is trying to help blitz guys. Cause he knows how to, you know, get in passing lanes and, 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 and steal the ball. He had a couple steals tonight. He had a steal and a breakaway tonight. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it, it's back to terrible, you know, I, there's nothing to freak out about there. Um, and if uh, if the subtext here is that it's on Damian, let's just not even broach that because uh, <laughs> let's let's just not even broach that. Um, but thanks for asking the question, Joshua. Uh, Reed Andrews wants to know when certain players like Rondo become liabilities. Do you think it's totally based on their ability, or if they accepted a smaller role, would they be more productive role players? For example, Allen Iverson not doing what Vince Carter is. Now, well, I think I think that's a, a really related to skill set a lot of times, um, and maybe just desire. I mean, did, did could Allen Iverson have become uh, a guy who at thirty six ran off screens and shot threes? Maybe. I mean, he wasn't really a three point shooter during his time in the league. Um, but I mean, if you remember a lot of those, a lot of the years that Allen Iverson was playing in the league on those Sixers teams, he wasn't handling the ball. He was coming off of screens. I mean, there's a whole thing called the Iverson cut. And well, I, I just did a video on that too, actually, uh, on my YouTube channel. You guys can go check it out. Uh, it'll explain what it is now, but uh, the video sort of makes more sense in a, in a radio setting like this. But uh, the Iverson cut is essentially when a guard is high on the arc and he comes across two screens at the elbow to the other side of the arc and receives a pass there to either, you know, shoot a three or cut to the basket or do something. Blazers run a lot. Blazers run it, uh, sort of modified versions of it. But, uh, you know, that guy ran off a bunch of screens. Could he have done that for more, you know, stagger screen, elevator doors type stuff to become a three-point shooter? I don't know, maybe. But did Iverson seem like he wanted to? Probably not. And I think Rondo's in a position where he doesn't think that... This is a guy who, you know, two years ago, I think, or three years ago... Um, oh, man, I actually I don't know when, when the timeline would be. My brain's getting so fuzzy after doing this for so long. But uh, you know, this is a guy who wanted the max contract for a long time. And teams were skeptical to give it to him. Nobody did, obviously. Um and this is a guy who thought he was a you know a top point guard in a, in a league, especially you know when Rondo was really coming around, you know, uh, in those championship teams for the for the um, or championship team for the Celtics in 2008. Um, those guys, you know, that that's that's a that's a, a big peak or starting of a peak for a league in terms of everybody needed to have an elite point guard. Obviously, Rondo is not that anymore, and so does his skill set and mentality transfer over. I, I don't know. That's that's hard. So I think um, I'd say it's more it's more about ability and um, and desire. You know, these guys are human beings. So anyways, thanks for the question, uh, Reed. Now we're going to get to Brandon Goldner. He wants to know, is it fair or unfair? The Blazers defense looked better without Lillard. Uh, well, that is um, statistically accurate. Yes, uh, they were better without Lillard on the floor. But I wouldn't say um, if you're talking about this from a, a general like a judgment standpoint, um, I would say that it's uh, I mean, 
if the question is it's fair or unfair, I guess it's fair. Yeah, it's fair. Um, I wouldn't say that getting rid of Lillard or, or him not being able to help blitz. Because again, you have to realize that Damien, you know, the guard, it's not just the it's not just not the big men. When when the Blazers are playing this active defense and jumping screens or hedging or showing, uh, it's not just the def- the the big men that are doing things that are different. It's it's the guards too. You know, the the guards on ice pick and roll, their whole thing is to, you know, sort of lock on and tra- and trail a guy around a around a screen and close out from the top. And if you're blitzing a guy, you're trying to get up in his business and, you know, hack at the ball and, and, and cut off his passing lanes. You're doing things that are different. And so maybe that plays a different skill set for them, too. I don't know. And I saw a couple good contests from Damian tonight, plays where I thought he he you know, read the guy right. And, um, you know, defense in the NBA is, one, extremely, extremely difficult. And the other thing about that is um, – the outcomes, especially for a team like the Blazers, who are not let's let's just say they're they're not a good defensive team generally, I don't think, and uh, that that's fair. Um, you know, for them, it's it's not the Spurs. It's not going to be like this all this whole like sort of locking players down. It's about little changes over time and 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 sort of habits changing a, a little bit. And okay, well, this game he, he made that guy miss two more shots than he normally would, and that's a big deal. And you did maybe you, did, you only miss a guy, you know, miss a shot the next game, one shot, and that. But that's a big deal, you know, for for sort of middling to poor defensive players like the you know the Blazers guards have now. Um, you know, that's that's going to be the difference. So uh, I think the flip side is that obviously the way the the, the Blazers are set up now is that the the way the team runs, you know, the 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 engine is the offense, and so that's not going to change unless they get rid of Damian or CJ. And um, if you do that, then you have a whole other bucket of worms to open. Yeah. The Blazers are closer than they're going to be now by trading something for, you know, for a big man or, or changing the rest of the roster or whatever. And they are getting rid of Damien and CJ. So if that's the subsect text of the question again, uh, you know, let's, let's just not even broach it. But uh, yeah, I think it's fair to say they were better without Lillard, but not sort of because Lillard was gone. I mean, you have to realize that as soon as Damian Lillard left uh, or, you know, sat out due to injury, they changed the system. And I think that was independent of Damian being out. The Blazers were, and Terry Stotts of the staff was like, this is not happening and we are going to lose the eight seed. In fact, they fell out of the eight seed there for a minute. Um, and, you know, I, I think uh, <laughs> that's, that's sort of independent, let's say. So um, let's, let's just cool it on whether or not, you know, the Blazers are, uh, uh an elite defensive team with Damien or sorry, without Damien, then somehow like the worst without him. So, uh, you know, well, we'll, we'll, we'll just move on from there. Uh, Zarin on Twitter wants to know, are we going to get banned from Vonley questions? A lot of Vonley questions tonight. Actually, that, that's, this is, that's, the, that's the context here. I had a lot of questions about Vonley because he wants to know what he's done to seemingly have taken over Ed's spot. Now, I think this is the most, uh, this is the best context to talk about Vonley in, and I think I have I have a couple different opinions on it. Um, they're all guesses because the Blazers are sort of notoriously tight-lipped about this stuff, and uh, I, I don't know. Um, I I will say just to, as as context, let's let's put it in context. In that, Ed Davis's um, you know play this year has been down. He's he's still I think um, certainly a, a useful player, but as Terry has. Um, sort of seen how the, how the season's gone. Uh, you know, he's, he's just not that, uh, efficient of a, of a player. Uh, you know, he only has a, um, 
uh, a net rating of uh, two. He's plus two. His um, defensive rating as an individual player, which, you know, take that with a huge grain of salt, but because um, it's about how a lot, a lot of times individual defensive um, ratings are about uh, how bad your the team is on you. you know, defense is all about rotations. Uh, individual defensive statistics are very hard to pick out as saying one person is a very bad defender. But uh, in any case, uh, you know, it's the highest it's ever been in his entire career. It's 112. Um, only once has he been, uh, uh, you know, above uh, or at, at or above 110, and that was his rookie season in Toronto. So he's not, um, you know, he's not rebounding at the same level on, on a uh, on a per 100 basis. Um, he's not blocking at the same level. Uh, his personal fouls are way, way up, way up. 8.6 compared to mm, a, 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 a 8.6 per 100 possessions, excuse me, compared to a career average of 6.1, which is, you know, that's a lot. Uh, and so, and hey, maybe he's not playing now specifically because he doesn't move his feet as well or he doesn't, Terry doesn't think he's boxing out as well as Vonley or, you know, I, I don't know exactly what they're seeing. I wouldn't say that Ed, Ed on the floor this, this year, I think has been almost um, forgettable in terms of seeing what he's doing. And I think there are real games last season where you'd say Ed Davis is the reason the Blazers are winning this game. And that's just, that's just uh, it sort of crazy to say, but it, it, I think it really was, you know, his, his ability to box out other players or grab rebounds for himself as a screener, um, you know, all those things, even as a finisher around the rim, you know, he's, he was great. And I think that's, that's taken a dip again this year too. So I think Vonley, if I'm taking a guess, it would be that Vonley has, uh, you know, Vonley is a long-term project for the Blazers that they want to keep. And we saw very clearly, uh, you know, last year, that Vonley started the first half of the season, I think largely because they thought that, you know, the Blazers thought they weren't going to be very good. And Neil Shea or whomever said, play that guy. Cause I want him to get enough experience. Cause I think he's going to be our power forward in the future or, or a, uh, you know, a, a player that's in, uh, important to our front court in the future. And then of course the Blazers were a lot better and they needed to make a defensive change. And he ended up being a, um, you know, no longer a starter for the second half of the year. So maybe there's something like that happening this year where the Blazers, not necessarily they're not good and they're giving up on the season or anything, but more of just like, look, Ed Davis isn't playing that good. And Noah Vonley, let's just let's throw Noah Vonley out there um, because, you know, hey, that's uh, that's good for our team long term. And we think he still adds some things. I mean, you know, he did. We did see a little bit of an improvement, I think, from him, um, you know, so far. But, uh, you know, is he playing better than Ed Davis? I mean. No, <laughs> be perfectly honest. Uh, his, uh, you know, his field goal percentage is um, he's shooting thirty nine percent from the field this year, which is generally sort of terrible. Um, you know, he's not rebounding at a per one hundred possession rate better than Ed Davis. He's not blocking at a better rate. He's not scoring at a better rate. He's not defending at a better rate. His offensive rating is down, so maybe that has to do with um, you know offensive rebounding and stuff. But uh, I don't know specifically what they're seeing. It's it's kind of a weird thing. I agree. But Ed Davis not playing very well is also kind of a weird thing. So I don't know what's going on with him. You know, the, again, these guys are human beings. Is it is it uh, Ed Davis is in a tiff with Terry Stotts? Is it uh, Ed Davis is uh, having a down year because of something else going on emotionally? Is it is Ed Davis having some kind of um, I don't know like a uh, a very 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 minor nagging issue that keeps him from playing well that uh, you know I don't know it could be any of those things that's this this is literally baseless speculation so don't take this anywhere but 
I think there are a lot of things we don't know about on teams, a lot of interpersonal things, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of non-major injury things we don't know about. Um, and hey, people have down years. I've had down years in my life, that's for sure. I'm sure you guys all have too. So uh, I, I don't know what's going on, but, uh, and the, the Noah Vonley thing is weird. I don't think it, I mean, not having Ed Davis's production off the bench hurts the Blazers this year. Yes, that is, a, I think, a big reason why they're worse this year. A big reason. One that's not talked about enough. But his current play right now versus Vonley, you know, in those minutes, I think Terry's just getting weird with the rotation. That's sort of where I'd come back on it in full circle. It's a weird year in Portland, especially for the front court. Thanks for asking the question. Uh, along those lines, Dustin Hawes wants to know, what would Tyson Chandler bring to Portland at this stage of his career? Uh, Mark Stein at ESPN wrote a column, sort of a rumors blog column the other day, uh, where we talked about uh, the Blazers sort of mulling over, deciding whether or not to engage with the Suns on Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler told the Suns last year that he didn't necessarily want to seek an outside trade. Um, he does have uh, you know, a sort of a big contract, which I think is a big problem in terms of moving him just generally. The Blazers would probably have to move, I would probably say Myers. I wouldn't, uh, you know, the Blazers, They. I've heard the Blazers don't want to, don't want to give up on the Evan Turner experiment. And I think trading for Tyson Chandler, who is playing well this year, but is 34 years old. Remember, he was the second round. He was, he, sorry, he was the second pick overall in the 2001 NBA draft, uh, a year I barely remember. I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we all remember 2001, don't we? I'm sorry. Why did I say that? But, uh, you know, Tyson Chandler really um, w- would bring something, but it would be hard to move him. He has a he has a, a contract that's not necessarily, I don't think, super unfavorable, given the fact that he's played well. But uh, it does run through 2018-19, uh, 12 to $13 million a year um, running up for the next couple of years. So if he's playing at a high level, sure, that's great. But uh, then the question would be like, well, you know, for, for, for Neil, it's like, well, Robin Lopez is doing the same thing for almost the same amount of money, and he's younger and better, you know, already knew, knew the team and all that kind of stuff. So kind of asides. But uh, what would he bring? You know, Tyson Chandler's playing well this year. Surprisingly, if you look at his um, – if you look at his offensive, sorry, his uh, his advanced stats, you know he's having a great uh, year in terms of uh, offensive rating. His um, his rebounding numbers are up. His uh, his blocks are down, um, but he's having a, a good offensive and uh, defensive rating year for you know sort of advanced statistically and uh, shooting sixty five percent from the or sorry sixty eight percent from the field, uh, which is very good. So I think he would he would bring a lot. You know he's a Tyson Chandler if you remember from his years playing Chris Paul a great screener. And I love that for the Blazers because as, as um, Mason Plumlee is the Blazers' best screener for sure. And he's uh, he's pretty good. I would say he's pretty good. Um, but the Blazers could definitely use somebody else. So if it's moving Plumlee and Myers, I guess, I mean, it's it's weird. I, I, I think the problem getting him to Portland is really, and I, I wrote this in the write-up that I did over on NBC Sports, but it's really what the Suns want back for him. You know, uh, it's he's an expensive, aging center who's playing good, but who's also had injury problems in his career. So, uh, can you ask? You know, is is a team, is a playoff hopeful team of you know, a um, I don't know, like a a Toronto who's sees some some, some inconsistent play from JV and says we got to we got to beef up. You know, they're probably going to trade for Paul Millsap, but you know what I mean. Uh, is that really? Could they wait for one of those situations and? You know, like or you know, like a Mozgov in Cleveland situation where they, you know, they they want to bolster their lineup, 
and then you get something big out of out of somebody who may not actually pay off because you have to pay more because the situation you're in, you're running for a championship. Or is this a sell low situation where the Suns say, look, you're playing well. It's the only thing we can get out of it. Blazers have two first-round picks now in 2017, their own and the one from uh, Cleveland. Look, give us one of those things and some salary filler, some guys that you're not necessarily super hot on. Let's do it. The problem is, of course, the Blazers don't have their whole their whole roster is made up of guys who they are either developing for themselves or developing for trade bait. I think for long term pieces. So you're not going to trade Alan Crabb for him, no way. If they don't want to move Evan Turner, then okay, that's stuck. In terms of big money, then you're taking you can't move Aminu because that's not the point, right? We're trying to keep Aminu. Then you're looking at Mo Myers. Who else? You know, I mean, it's it's tough to get to get. I think those things put together and able to move him, unless you're also going to move Plumley, which would make sense minutes wise. But if you're going to move Plumley, you have to make sure Tyson Chandler is it, because then you you would have you know in terms of an injury concern, then you might have a player who um, doesn't necessarily work. And while Tyson Chandler has a, is a great screen assist guy, then you lose a lot of the passing. Again, remember twelve assists tonight from Mason Plumley. You lose a lot of the passing from the Trail Blazers lineup. So it's it's real tough. It's a pickle. If you if I think if you trade for Tyson Chandler, you need to make another trade. And the Blazers, you know, they're they're in a again. It's a weird year in Portland. I like Tyson Chandler on paper. I think as with any trade, it's risk reward. And look, it's hard to get him here. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for asking the question, Dustin. I appreciate it, man. Um, Lillard for mayor wants to know, I get to, if I get to fix, if I get to magically fix, Ooh, magic, I'm magic. I get to magically fix one of Myers fatal flaws. What would you choose? I mean, I think Myers would agree with this. It's just sort of, uh, thinking, you know, the stuff between his ears and, uh, not that I think it's a a fatal flaw. I think Myers is, um, slowly over the course of the season done better with the situation. First coming back from the shoulder thing where he just was getting pushed around, let's be honest. He's not strong enough. Um, he's better come back from that. And just had he's had a weird, you know, a, he hasn't had a defined role this year. It's been weird. I think, obviously, he's probably getting more run now that Ed Davis is not playing very well and also because he he's a big who can at least um, space the floor and move his feet in that, that blitz situation and, and rotate well enough. You know, Myers, for as much as people rag on him, he is, uh, I think, at least... Defensively aware, if not at least, you know, executionally um, perfect, uh, which he's not. But uh, I think defensively aware, which is helpful in a situation where you have a lot of moving parts like the defensive Blazers have installed now. So Myers would agree with me uh, that, uh, you know, it would just be what he's thinking, sort of what he's thinking. And I think, honestly, over time, it feels like he's doing better. You know, we've, we've seen a little bit of an uptick from him lately which is nice to see so yeah that that would be it you know if i i think mentally if what else am i going to fix on the guy like uh have him add 50 pounds or or 30 30 pounds of muscle to his legs so he can stop on a drumming i I don't know i mean i think he he does what he does in the pick and roll just fine uh you know he 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 bodies up guys to box out even though he's not a, a great sort of personal rebounding type of guy. Um, he does a lot of things pretty good, but I think if you were going to fix one thing that would make him, uh, that would boost the things that he does very good into, you know, a sort of 
uh, greatness or make him sort of like a real problem. It would be that mental thing. If you fix the mental thing, then a lot more shots go up and the shots go up at the right time and he doesn't get down on himself. So then when he comes in cold, he's coming in hot. Uh, you know, he's been able to like knock it down, which a lot of times, you know, he mixes a couple shots, he goes out, he comes back in, then he won't shoot, and that's not that sort of negates his value. That would be a lot better, you know. Instead of fixing some of his sort of medium flaws, the fatal one would be the big one that would help then amplify the things he's good at. So, anyways, thanks for the question, little for me, I appreciate it. Uh, sort of a non-blazes question. Fantasy football whiz wants to know. I'm really liking how Montrez, Mon, is it Montrez? I think it's Montrez. Montrez Harrell from the Rockets has been uh, playing lately. Odds he keeps at the pace. The odds are very good because that is all about James Harden, my friend, especially with Clint Capella out. Uh, Montrez Harrell is going to – he's already received a lot of assists from James Harden, but he's going to get a lot more with uh, Capella out for – I don't know how long far he's out. Another another four weeks or something like that. But, um, yeah, obviously the the Rockets are all built around three-point shooters and rim-rolling big men. Nene is, you know, playing his heart out, <laughs> running up and down the floor with these guys. And, uh, you know, Harrell is, is really going to, um, I think, benefit from Capella being out. And obviously James Harden having a great year. Uh, Mike D'Antonio making him a point guard, genius. Playing with pace, genius. And, uh, you know, the really home runs to have Eric Gordon and uh, Ryan Anderson playing so well. Uh, that's actually the subject of my next video over at NBC Sports. That launches on, uh, it'll be up Wednesday on my YouTube channel. Again, youtube.com slash Dan. But uh, yeah, that's the subject. My, my next one is actually James Harden's assists and how he gets those assists and sort of uh, breaking down the Rockets offense and, and really how it works and how, I mean, the guy is averaging like almost 16 assists per 100 possessions. It's just ridiculous he has the most assists in the nba he averages the most per game more than russell westbrook it's just stupid i mean and some of the things this guy does i mean he's making decisions i'm not kidding i was watching all this tape this last week on james harden and the rockets he's making decisions where he's passing the ball from you know getting an offensive rebound and passing the ball from the free throw line and then immediately goes up for a shot i mean they're, they're doing the warriors thing where like if, if you're a wing on, on you know trevor reza whoever if you're a wing and you get uh sort of a you know, a ball on the on the fast break, you go up with it. There's no pump fakes. There's no secondary action. That go up with the ball, play the odds, because guys are sagging off of you. Um, not many teams have been able to slow down James Harden. Uh, it's tough. Only a couple teams have been able to do that. You know, Utah and, and uh, San Antonio, I think, did a pretty good job. Um, you'll have to see why in my video, teaser. Uh, but, yeah, so I think uh, Harrell is um, – I don't think Harrell will keep it up, especially since Capella is going to be out. And I don't see a, a big trade for a big man coming for the Rockets, you know, soon, but who knows. Jeff Van Hungry wants to know if a bagel is on a plate with all the other pastries, it's a pastry too, right? No, absolutely not. Get out of here. Come on. Come, I mean, come on. Not not even a blueberry bagel is a is a pastry. Get out of here. Thanks for the question, though. Mal, uh, last question. Last question? Yeah. Uh, no, last two questions. Okay. Uh, I think let's go this one first. They're both from the same guy, Matthew. Matthew wants to know uh, why have they not let Myers have a defined role? I think that's mostly just because of the rotational situation and how weird it's been on uh, how weird it's been on defense. And honestly, you know, Myers came back in a situation where he wasn't very strong, so he wasn't valuable in terms of he couldn't, you know, he was trying to box guys out, but he just get pushed out of the way. I mean, there are a couple plays there early. He was, I mean, he's just getting like, I mean, pushed into the stanchion. So um, I think that's that's probably why. Just he just didn't have a lot of confidence in himself, uh, so he wasn't hitting shots. Let's be honest, he wasn't hitting shots, and he um, he wasn't strong enough to be playing. So in the time get up, and I think now with, with the new system and everything, and his uh, he's had a little bit more confidence in his shot. I think he's he's doing better. So I think he'll have a 
I don't know if it'll call it a defined role. Um, I don't, I don't think anybody's going to get that except for a couple guys from the Blazers this year. But uh, yeah, I think he'll, it'll, it'll even out for him. Last question, also from Matthew Walters. What is the Blazers' best option from here? Trade for a rim protector or ride this squad out? Well, we've also we've already seen from, I think, Jason Quick or whomever uh, said, you know, a, a trade is imminent, blah, blah, blah. I think imminent means, obviously, this is uh, this is coming out. we got a couple more days left until some of the, you know, Alan Crabb or whomever is going to get traded. I think, I think that's going to happen. I don't think um, when you sign those contracts – for all of these guys and match all of their contracts, this squad is never meant to um, be the way it is. And I, I don't think that waiting a whole year through it is going to help increase, you know, the guys that you want to trade, whether it's Alan Crabb or Myers Leonard, or if it ends up being Mo Harkless or whomever, uh, waiting through the year is not going to help um, increase their trade value, I don't think. Not not before the deadline. I think the idea was always to get rid of one of those guys, at least one of those guys from the deadline. And I think it will be maybe not necessarily a rim protector as you would think of it. Maybe not Hassan Whiteside, that kind of thing. It might be more of a guy like like Robin Lopez, who's more of a, a lane clogger, you know, or a guy who, uh, when he plays uh, Andre Drummond, locks him up down low, boxing out, you know, with arms locked up over each other or whatever so that uh, he can't get a rebound. But maybe more Harkless can, you know, zoom in from the arc and, 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 and grab it, you know, because obviously Drummond's locked, you know, engaged. So uh, maybe it'll be a guy like that. And I know Gunderson on this podcast turned out cost Kufos, you know, who knows. But I think um, that is definitely the best option if you want to both, I think, trade for the future, which again, which is why Tyson Chandler seems a little weird to me. Um, and I, I don't think writing the squad out is the way to go. Now, if you have a guy, if you trade, let's say you do tra- end up trading, I don't know, Plumlee and somebody else, tr- Plumlee and Crab for a, a sort of a semi-star big man. Can you play the same defense that's been working? Can you switch back to just going straight soft ice? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It, that might be a hard decision given how much better everyone else has played. The Aminus, the Harklesses even the Lillards and the McCollums, um, given how much better they've played in this new system. So who knows? But I think the best option is to make a trade, likely for a big man. It's not going to be a scorer. CJ's not going anywhere. It's gonna, it's, My gut tells me it's Alan Crabb. Um, so you know he's the most valuable, and he's playing He's playing good now. So uh, up in his trade value, that's, uh, that's, that's great. So... Thanks for the question, Matthew. And hey, thanks to you guys for listening to me for a whole, I'm at 42 minutes. Can you believe that? I'm just sitting here talking to myself in a room. But uh, yeah, uh, Eric Gunderson will be back. I'll be back, obviously, on this podcast again soon as the co-host. If you want to connect with us, you can do that. You connect with me on YouTube again for the third time. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash daynotdan. I'd really appreciate you guys going over there, checking it out if you like something subscribe. I'll be around. I put out two, three things every single week. It's really fun. Have a good time doing it. Find me at my writing over at NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. That's NBCSports.com slash NBA. On Twitter at Dane Carbaugh, D-A-N-E-C-A-R-B-A-U-G-H. And you can subscribe to this podcast on Audioboom, Stitcher, uh, where else? iTunes, of course. You can go over there and leave a five-star review. That would be great. Maybe mention me. All, all the all the reviews about Eric and how he's so great. You know, maybe maybe give maybe give me a little love. It, it'd be okay if you guys want to do that. I'm not 
not saying you have to, but you know, it's a new year, new you, new me. But uh, yeah, subscribe and go over there. And uh, we will be back. The next game for the Trailblazers is on January 10th away against the Los Angeles Lakers. Blazers lose tonight, 125-124 to 124, to the Detroit Pistons in double overtime. But there is hope ahead for this squad.